Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this Ash Wednesday, the 14th of February, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Easter. Today we observe Ash Wednesday. During the 40 days of Lent, the baptized children of God cleanse their hearts through repentance, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and the like. During Lent, we prepare our hearts for the Paschal Feast, Easter. Traditional Christian denominations will hold services that include the imposition of ashes. The ashes remind us of the wages of sin, of Christ's atoning sacrifice, and of our mortality. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Our readings for today are Psalm 136, Psalm 90, Psalm 6, Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, and the introduction to the solid declaration of the formula of Concord. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 136th Psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who made the great lights, for His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for His steadfast love endures forever the moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is He who remembered us in our low estate, for His steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for His steadfast love endures forever. 
He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 90th Psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust, and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger, and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's third reading from the Psalter is the sixth psalm. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning 
is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Genesis, and we will be reading the first chapter, verses 1 through 19. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse, and separated the waters that were under the expanse, from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens, to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Mark, and we will be reading the first chapter, verses 1 through 13. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him, and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and wore a leather belt around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, 
and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Solid Declaration of the Formula of Concord, and we will be reading the introduction. The Formula of Concord Introduction By the Almighty's special grace and mercy, the teaching about the chief articles of our Christian religion, which under the papacy had been horribly clouded by human teachings and ordinances, has been explained and purified again from God's word by Dr. Luther, of blessed and holy memory. The papistic errors, abuses, and idolatries have been rebuked by him. Nevertheless, this pure reformation was regarded by its opponents as a new teaching. It was violently, though without foundation, charged with being entirely against God's word and the Christian ordinances. In addition, the reformation was burdened by unsupportable slanders and accusations. The Christian electors, princes, and estates of the empire at that time had embraced the pure doctrine of the Holy Gospel. They also had their churches reformed in a Christian manner, according to God's word. At the great Diet of Augsburg in the year 1530, they had a Christian confession prepared from God's word and delivered to Emperor Charles V. In this way, they clearly and plainly made their Christian confession about what was being held and taught in the Christian evangelical churches on the chief articles. They focused especially on the articles in controversy between themselves and the papists. Although this confession was received with disfavor by their opponents, still, thank God, it remains unrefuted and undefeated to this day. To this Christian Augsburg confession, so thoroughly grounded in God's word, we here pledge ourselves publicly and solemnly, again from our inmost hearts. We abide by its simple, clear, and unadulterated meaning, as the words convey it. We regard this confession as a pure Christian symbol. At the present time, this confession ought to be found alongside God's word among true Christians, which pious hearts ought to receive next to the matchless authority of God's word. They should act just as in former times when certain great controversies had arisen in God's church. Symbols and confessions were proposed, to which the pure teachers and hearers at that time pledged themselves with heart and mouth. We intend also, by the Almighty Grace, to abide faithfully by this Christian confession, mentioned several times before, until our death, just as it was delivered in the year 1530 to Emperor Charles V. Whether in this writing or in any other, it is our plan not to withdraw in the least from that off-sighted confession, nor to propose another or new confession. The Christian doctrine of this confession has for the most part remained unchallenged, except for what has been challenged by the papists. Yet it cannot be denied that some theologians have departed from some great and important articles of this confession. Either they have not understood the true meaning of the other articles, or they have not continued steadfastly in them. 
Occasionally, some even tried to attach a foreign meaning to this confession. At the same time, they wanted to be regarded as followers of the Augsburg Confession, and to help themselves and make their boast about it. Serious and harmful divisions have arisen in the pure evangelical churches from this. The same thing happened during the lives of the holy apostles, among those who wanted to be called Christians and boasted of Christ's doctrine. Horrible errors likewise arose. Some sought to be justified and saved by the works of the law, Acts 15. Others denied the resurrection of the dead, 1 Corinthians 15.12. Still others did not believe that Christ was true and eternal God. The holy apostles had to attack these teachings forcefully in their sermons and writings, Galatians 1. They did this, although such fundamental errors and severe controversies could not happen at that time without offense both to unbelievers and to those weak in the faith. In a similar way, our opponents today, the papists, rejoice over the divisions that have arisen among us. They rejoice in the unchristian and vain hope that these disagreements might finally cause the downfall of the pure doctrine. Meanwhile, those who are weak in faith are greatly offended and disturbed. Some of them doubt whether, amid such disagreements, the pure doctrine is with us. Still others do not know with whom to side regarding the articles in controversy. For the controversies that have happened are not, as some would regard them, mere misunderstandings or disputes about words, as are apt to occur, with one side failing to grasp the meaning of the other well enough, and the difficulty lying in a few words that are not of great importance. The controversial subjects are important and great. They are of such a nature that the opinion of the party in error cannot be tolerated in God's church, much less be excused or defended. Necessity requires us to explain these disputed articles according to God's word and approved writings. Everyone who has Christian understanding can notice which opinion about the controversial matters agrees with God's word and the Christian Augsburg Confession, and which does not. Then sincere Christians who have the truth at heart may guard and protect themselves against, and may flee and avoid the errors and corruptions that have arisen. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church. I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whatever calling has been given you, or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.